0: Hello and welcome to this week's Spine chillers and Serial Killers. I'm Tash. I'm Becky. And
1: I'm Emma. Hi. Hello. How are you lovely ladies?
0: Yeah, really good, thank you. How are you? I'm okay. (laughs) Good. I, I am also fine. Lovely. Fine and
1: okay sounds good to me, yeah? Yeah,
0: yeah. Coupled in with my really good and that averages us out as good.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's not a bad average.
0: I think that's all right, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
0: Are you ready for some gross stuff? <laughs> I can't wait. I've actually buzzing for it.
1: This is going to be... A, I've, I've been excited about this episode. Oh, but before... I, this is gross, but this has got nothing to do with the episode. But No, fine. Before Bex and I decided on what this episode was going to be about, I was going to do another story about a necrophiliac.
0: What's that? Someone has sex with dead people?
2: Yes, yes. Nice. <laughs> Not Answered nice Not
0: question <laughs> Not nice But like Nice that I got that right Yes yeah. <laughs> I knew what the nice meant
2: Yeah
1: but I was a bit concerned for a second But <laughs> I said it so <laughs> yeah. nonchalantly
0: yes. shalonly, Is that how you say that?
1: Nonchalantly
2: <laughs> oh, I've, oh, I've totally fucked that <laughs> word up Didn't I? <laughs> yeah You're getting it mixed up with Shalom <laughs> <laughs>
1: But you did get necrophiliac right, though. Yeah.
0: So. Hey, listen, I can't get everything right. So anyway,
1: yes, I was looking up this this guy that I will do a story about at some point because it's fucking weird and quite disturbing, which I think is spine chilling
0: <laughs> and potentially Ooh. serial killing. Well,
1: I know I wouldn't, I wouldn't dare encroach on uh, on Becky's turf, but I, I think I that's the
0: right <laughs> thing to do, not encroach.
1: Yeah. Is encroach even a word? Oh, stop. (laughs) (laughs) I love how nobody's even like (laughs) daring to, you know, stab at it.
0: No. I think encroach is a word. Yeah, it is. It is a word. Don't listen. Go with your gut. Don't question yourself. I've got to be confident
1: even when I say stuff that's not a word.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: If you said "force," Nick, with more, (laughs) you know, more confidence,
0: we would have just been. Listen, she said it with confidence. Accepted it. She doubted herself. We wouldn't have. We wouldn't have queried that word. No, I bring it on myself.
1: I do. Anyway, the story I definitely will do in in a future episode. Maybe next week. Not sure. But I thought, oh, maybe I should look up other famous necrophiliacs and see. (laughs) You know.
0: What else do you do on a Sunday afternoon?
1: (laughs) Well, this is this is just podcast life, isn't it? And see, you know, if I could add to the story and whatnot. Anyway, I found something out that has really fucking disturbed me. So you know, we've talked about Jimmy Savile
0: in the past,
1: yeah, Yeah. and how fucking gross he was. Mm. So we all know why Jimmy Savile was gross. I'm not going to get into it, but I found out that well, you you may know this, girls, but like during the 60s he worked as a porter in a hospital right and apparently he got this job by just having a radio station at the hospital and then kind of wheedling his way into being able to be a porter I mean
0: one of the same one of the same job really aren't they not at all
1: (laughs) but yeah just being his creepy charming charismatic self he he was able to be a porter allegedly, because this is from British tabloids, so I'm not going to say this is fact. I just saw it on a lot of British tabloids. Allegedly, Jimmy Savile was also a necrophiliac.
2: Oh. I won't put it past him because he is a disgusting human being in every way.
1: Apparently, it was well known. And some of the nurses like who started after he'd started being a porter, they were warned, don't go down to the morgue if the guy with the pink hair's down there. So I assume at the time he must have dyed his hair pink.
0: Well, that would explain the pink hair. But yeah.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. And yeah, basically they were warned, if you go down there and he's in there, just turn around and come out. And he apparently fully admitted to people in the hospital that he'd mess around with the dead bodies, like posing them in sexual positions together and... Like giving them oral sex and...
0: He'd give them oral sex? He
1: would give the dead bodies oral sex, yeah. Oh, that's fucking weird, isn't It just makes your stomach turn. Oh, do that's actually making me want to gag. Allegedly. I'm not saying this is fact because I, everything I read about it was the British tabloids.
0: I mean, even if he didn't do that, I guess people have done that. So it's fucking gross whoever's doing it, to be honest.
1: Well, someone's always going to have to do some up gross because... People are fucking weird, but, uh, but apparently he like boasted to people that he did this. Like he just mucks about with the dead corpses. Did he say it like is- it was banter? Yeah, like bants. Like he mucks about with them. Apparently, like if people had glass eyes, he'd steal the glass eyes and turn them into jewelry. Like he had a really chunky ring, and it was somebody's glass eye.
0: Why did nobody stop him? Because.
1: I mean, this Money. was in the 60s and he just kept doing it and kept doing it and kept doing it. And but That is illegal, stopped. isn't
0: it? To, like, sleep with a dead body, like, shag a dead body. That's illegal, isn't it?
2: <sighs> yes. And also very frowned upon in many, <laughs> throughout the world. I don't think many people think that's a good thing to do. <laughs>
1: no, and, like, so fucking disrespectful.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And then was he working as a porter in the children's hospital, which somehow makes it worse.
1: I don't know all the details because he's worked mm. in multiple hospitals. Mm. Um, but that's, yeah, how he was getting some of the access. But he, he he, didn't have an age or a gender after what I was reading for the abuse of the patients. You know, he was he was abusing 75-year-old women. It um,
2: was just minging. Oh, it was just for the power, wasn't it? The control. I
1: mean, you look at him and you can tell he's a psychopath, right? Oh, he's just violent. I've, isn't I've he?
2: never, ever, ever liked him. He's a weird. But I think a lot of it was because he is a weird-looking guy. He was a weird-looking guy, and he wasn't of my generation. But now, nah, never, ever liked him.
1: But I didn't know about the necrophilia.
2: No, nor did I. So
0: no, I didn't know that either.
1: I mean, he was already a disgusting piece of shit, don't get me wrong. But now he's, like, even more disgusting.
0: That's next level, though, isn't it? I'm bragging about that's it. That's so weird. Why do you... That's, like... Ugh.
2: I think that was also the part of the thing that, that was all part of what he was doing, was the fact that he, he was like, hey, I can brag to people about this and no one's going to say anything. No,
1: because, you know, if they're warning people about him, they're warning the nurses not to go down there when he's down there. They know.
2: Yeah, but I'm just saying um, Savile probably thought that was all part of his perversion, all part of his weird fetish, just the fact that everyone knew, yet no one's going to say anything to him. Oh, it just makes your skin Mm. crawl. Uh, The worst thing about it is he got away with it. Yeah. He never, anyway, piece of shit. It's one of the only things, I can watch some awful documentaries, but I can't, I've only watched, I think I've only watched one with him and I couldn't get all the way through it. I think I've watched other ones that are in ways more graphic and stuff when it comes to stuff like that, but Jimmy Savile just, oof. He
1: you just know. looks insane. He's got this look in his eye and he's he, he just looks, looks through mental. you from
2: the telly,
0: if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah I know exactly we, what you mean. It's like he's looking at you. Piercing
2: yeah. eyes. Yeah. Mm.
1: Anyway, that was my fun little f- story for beginning the podcast.
0: Nice, thanks for that.
1: <laughs> you can always count on me.
0: No, I really enjoyed it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, this week, me and Bex are doing a team-up. So we've both got a story, but on the same subject.
0: Exciting.
1: I know. A little collab, right, Bex?
0: Yeah, I do. I <laughs> do,
1: indeed. Well, that's <laughs> what I, That's why I thought, you know. So we're going to be yeah. talking about something called folie à deux, which literally translates to madness in twos, hence why we thought it'd be great if we both did a story each.
0: Can't we do a
1: folie à trois? Folie à trois does exist, but do you have a story?
2: Many stories. <laughs> <laughs> and also, folie à trois sounds like porn.
1: It, it does, and I bet there's a, there is a porn film called folie à trois. Still not them. against it. <laughs> But no, it's most common, a deux, in twos, but it can be a trois, a quatre, or en famille, which is family, like family madness.
2: I think think we've got that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's a shared psychosis that generally affects two people who are extremely close and isolated from the outside world. There tends to be a dominant person in the pair who imposes their delusions or psychotic episodes on the other person who is often more docile or weaker-minded. So the other person is known as the secondary or the associate, and they accept these delusions as fact and then also become affected by the psychosis generally speaking if the pair are separated the secondary person can heal mentally without any need of medication so it only seemed logical doing an episode about fully adieu adieu
2: both me and bex ah, yeah see
0: what you yes. did there
2: well done yeah see? i uh, like that little segue into my little story so i think it's pretty cool
1: so bex do you want to kick us off with a bit of fully adieu
2: i'll start off with my sources as i always forget so the first one is Wikipedia as per the norm, an article on horrorbound.com, an article on Glossified, and then an article, yeah, it was Dave by hor- uh, horrorbound.com, I think that was it, and one in like The Guardian or something like that. If you've heard of Folia Du before, perhaps one of the most baffling cases of them all is the story that involves the twin sisters, Sabina and Ursula Eriksson, the Swedish twins. On a late May evening in 2008, Swedish twins, Ursula and Sabina Eriksson, left Sabina's home in Ireland, secretly heading to Liverpool, England. Upon arrival, the twins go to local police station to report concerns for Sabina's child in Ireland. Unsure why the women would come to England to ask anything like that, the local police called in a welfare check to the Irish authorities just to check on the child, and the child was absolutely fine. I think she had two kids, didn't she? They were inquiring about this one in particular. In particular, okay. Yeah, Uh, but I didn't really find much information about the children. It's not a massive... Didn't give too much more to the stories. I thought I'd let the children...
1: Oh, yeah, we don't. We don't keep need to know. I just... Yeah, yeah I didn't realise the welfare check was just on the one. So it's just like, sod the other. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't care about this one. Yeah. This one's my favourite. <laughs> Good start. Good start. <laughs> yeah. So it could be as well... Shows a little bit kind of the state of mind wasn't completely right at the time. Just kind of only checking on the one. So Sabina and Ursula got on a bus en route to London... During the trip, some of the passengers and the driver witnessed very strange behaviour from the twins. At one point, the women suggested that the driver stop because they weren't feeling well. And a bit freaked out and uncertain of their intentions, the driver made an unplanned stop at a service station. The twins continued their strange behaviour and worried the driver to the point where he didn't allow them back on the bus after they wanted to board again.
0: What were they doing? They're just...
2: I think, you know that feeling that you get? I think that's what he was getting. I think they must have been acting a bit twitchy and a bit, I don't know if he thought that they might might have been on drugs. They both had a rucksack
1: and they were like clinging to these rucksacks on their chest and I think the driver thought, this is weird, you know, like, Mm. what's in there? Why are they clinging to it so tightly? And when he asked if he could look in the bag, they were like, no. Oh, (laughs) that's you know that's a bit of a red flag
0: yeah definitely because obviously what is in the bag if you don't want to show us yeah and with
2: the with all the weird behavior that they were showing before he just didn't want them back on the bus
1: yeah i, I don't think there was anything in particular in the bags to be fair no
2: but it's a bit sketchy isn't it
1: yeah they were just being weird
2: yeah As well, if if they were a bit cagey around a bag, weren't those terrorist attacks in London only a few years before?
1: Oh yeah, people were like on bomb alerts. We were on edge for quite a
2: few. What year was this happening, sorry? 2008? Oh yeah. Um, Was it in like 2006 or something like that? I think it was 2007. Yeah, it wasn't, yeah.
0: I remember it happening.
2: yeah. I don't think it was a uh, too many years before that. Yeah, yeah. So the the passengers as well that weren't really liking the way that they were acting. So the driver called the police, and when the police arrived, they spoke to both twins, and they judged them not to be a threat, and they told them to leave, uh, and they left shortly afterwards.
0: Yeah, but how did they leave? Because they were on a bus. Then then what? They, well, this is the thing. They decided to walk along. One
2: of the UK's busiest motorways. You're not allowed to to walk along a motorway, are you? Yeah, well, this is what they did. So I don't know if they were supposed to wait for another bus or get a taxi or something, but anyway, they left on foot. So yeah, they started to walk down the M6. Shortly after, the pair began running into the traffic, walking down the central reservation in between the lanes and the traffic is going at really high speeds. What's the... what's the 70 miles an speed? hour. 70 miles an hour, about just under 130 kilometres an hour. And of course, people only travel at 70 miles an hour. Obviously, not one kilometre. No. And uh, even so, very high speed traffic, not expecting two twins walking around in the lanes. Obviously, it's the, the M6, there's a lot of cameras around and there were a lot of motorists on the road. So emergency services were called as they were running around in the traffic. And there's been reports of possibly at least one of them being struck by vehicles or being injured. So the emergency services arrived on scene and they were kind of expecting the worst, thinking, oh, people are. You know, a person versus car on a motorway is not going to end very well. But they were actually quite surprised when they got there that they only had a, a couple of superficial injuries. They managed to get the twins to the side of the road and they were talking to them and they allowed traffic to resume because it had been blocked for a little while That while they were trying to get them off the road. While service members continued to chat, Ursula decided to run off into the traffic And this is the footage that a lot of you may have seen. It's footage that was caught by a film crew filming Motorway Cops.
0: I love that show.
2: I love that show. I love any show like that. Yeah, me
0: too. It's the drama, (laughs) isn't it?
2: Yeah. And it's like, I remember... Did you remember watching it where they start uh, crossing the road and they pause it and they're like, and then they did the unthinkable or something (laughs) like that? (laughs) But, um, yeah, so... Ursia ran back out into the traffic and she got struck by a, a 40 ton box truck and it, inst- it crushed her legs.
0: Oh then Sabine
2: God. ran out into the traffic as well and she ran straight into the path of a Volkswagen Polo and she was struck at pretty high speed and she was flung into the air and she fell back down with a smack on the tarmac and she was knocked unconscious for about 15 minutes.
0: Oh my God.
2: And then when she came to, she started screaming and she ran out back into traffic again. And she, yeah, I think she got hit again a second time when she got run out. But Ursula got really hurt the first time, but was still kind of shouting.
1: She was still putting up a fight, wasn't she?
0: Bloody hell.
1: And her legs were like fucked. Like her bones are coming out of her legs. Yeah. Like her legs are...
2: Fucked. Like most of us would have fainted. Yeah, we would have fainted with the pain. But is she
0: trying to get to her sister?
2: She ran out first. Oh. As uh, emergency services t- attempted to come to Sabina's aid, she smacked an officer in the face and ran into traffic again. And then, as this is happening, Ursula who's had her legs crushed, is screaming and spitting at officers, resisting any type of medical treatment. She was screaming at them, saying that they weren't real, that they were fake, almost as if she was thinking that they were complete delusions and they weren't really there. They kept
1: saying, call the police, call the police, somebody call the police, help, help. And the police were like, we are the
2: fucking police. Yeah. You know." And they they were refusing to believe that they were the real police.
1: Yeah i think the one that's mad i can't remember the name is it sabina who got hit by the punto
2: yeah sabina they got hit by a polo
1: yeah oh yeah by the polo when she woke up like the first thing she started screaming to her sister was like they're trying to steal our organs they're gonna steal our organs
2: oh my god it was really crazy Fucking mental. The police on scene said that Sabina had superhuman strength and it required, He says, six people police. So six police officers, along with motorists, to subdue her and restrain her. This is after getting hit by a car twice. So finally the twins were taken to hospital, but the story just continues to get weirder. At the hospital, the paramedics rushed Ursula into surgery, whilst the other staff evaluated sabina she by this time was pretty calm like had a very calm demeanor answering most questions in like a congenial manner just completely different compared to what they'd seen on the motorway earlier that day had they sedated her
1: they sedated her to get her to the hospital i think yeah that's it
2: but at this point she wasn't sedated or well not heavily compared to probably what they had to do in the ambulance she was even joking with staff toxicology reports said that they had no drugs or alcohol in ursula's system but sabina was not tested which is weird i don't know why they didn't yeah uh, unless she refused to because she unless she refused to uh, the bags that the twins were so protectively protecting on the bus and that only held a passport and a couple of cell phones, like several cell phones.
1: That's a bit dodgy. So
2: that's a bit weird. Like multiple cell phones is always a bit of a red flag to me. Very strange. Mm. But still, it's not like they were they were full of gold, you know, for them to be so... That would have been weird as well. Yeah, but more understandable. I'd understand why they were hugging the bag so much. Mm. After seeing several professionals... They all deemed that Sabina did not exhibit any signs of mental or psychological illness and was released after being charged and sentenced to one day of custody. So, what the fuck, England? What is going on? Well, after what I gathered, so the
1: people that examined her weren't actually shown the footage of how she was acting on the motorway? Yeah. had they been shown that footage i'm not entirely convinced that they'd have thought yeah you're all right
2: yeah you were just having a bit yeah. of a paddy on the motorway and you're fine but really i think it just shows the importance that maybe you should show where uh, the health professionals uh, the whole thing that happened the
1: maybe. whole picture definitely exactly. yeah
2: definitely she was tied the one day of custody which was considered served while she was at the hospital so she didn't even have to, that was it she was free So the entire time that she was questioned on what they were doing, she never gave a reason for being in England and never once asked about her twin sister, which is very strange. She was free to leave, but she didn't have anywhere to go or to stay. Which brings us to the next part of the story. Unfortunately, a good Samaritan would be the next to get involved in this story's madness. Around 7pm on the day that Sabina was released, two men were walking their dog along Christchurch Street when they saw Sabina trying to locate her sister in the hospital. The one was 54-year-old Glenn Hollinshed, and the other was his friend, Peter Malloy. Glenn was a self-employed welder, so they were just two buddies out walking dogs.
1: I think they'd just been to the pub, actually, as as Brits do.
2: Yeah, very British thing we love to do. a pub.
1: A few pints in the beer garden.
2: Yeah. Oh, yes. So when they saw Sabina, she looked very lost and nervous. Her erratic behaviour made Peter suspicious from the start, but Glenn showed pity for her in a troubled state and just wanted to give her a, a hand, give her a helper kind of thing. Sabina asked them about any decent hotels nearby or any B&Bs. But Glenn showed compassion and offered her to stay at his place instead, as there was none in the area. So the three of them went to Glenn's house. And as hours went by, Sabina's actions got more and more bizarre. She kept going to the windows, checking outside. Initially, Peter thought that maybe she was, um, running away from like a domestic abuse situation and was acting a little bit paranoid. But anyway, they eventually all went to bed.
1: Did you not read the part about the cigarettes?
2: No, I didn't see that bit.
1: So apparently, while Peter and Glenn were, they were just chilling, having a few drinks with Sabina, and she offered them some cigarettes, and she'd been smoking these fags all night, so they both took a cigarette, and then as they were about to light them, she slaps them away from them, going what are you doing? Why are you taking them? They could be poisoned. (laughs) And they're like, what "What the fuck? They're the same cigarettes you've been smoking all evening. And I think at that point, Peter Malloy was like, you know what? I'm out. Yeah. So he went home. And I think Glenn was a lot more laid back about it. Like, she's just a bit quirky. Yeah. I, I don't know. So anyway,
2: I think he was just a nice guy that just wanted to help and was quite, quite laid back about everything. Whereas Peter was a bit more like, nah, there's something wrong here. I don't like this.
1: Yeah, yeah. So. Anyway, sorry.
2: No, no I didn't see about the cigarette things. I'm glad, glad to. God what would you do though i'd be like right this is a mistake you can leave now thank you buddy. yeah
1: i'd go in the other room and be ringing the police like can you come and remove this woman
2: yeah i've done something stupid and now there's this woman here acting cray cray and anyway the next day around seven thirty p.m glenn went to his neighbor's house to ask for some tea bags after getting them he went back in- inside his home Then a few minutes later, he came back outside again, but this time with stab wounds. He fell to the ground. So he'd say to his neighbor, or was it with a passerby? Because I couldn't even find that.
1: No, it was his neighbor. His neighbor was just outside washing his car, I think.
2: And then so he fell to his knees and just said, she stabbed me and fell down. And that's when Sabina fled the premises very quickly after killing Glenn with a kitchen knife. The security footage showed her carrying a hammer in her hand after leaving the house and even hitting herself on the head with it while she was running around. A passing biker spotted her running and as soon as the man realised what was happening, he decided to tackle her.
0: Oh blimey, that seems risky. Yeah,
2: I think he was just trying to get the hammer off her. You could see that she was having some sort of mental episode. Sabina went and hit him on the head with a roof tile. Wow. Yeah, yeah
1: but she just had this random roof tile in her pocket.
2: And was like, push pah, da, and smacked him over the head. So then police were called to scene. Not before Sabina fled again and was pursued by the police officers. They followed her to a bridge, which as soon as they started approaching her, she immediately jumped off. And it was a height of about 30 feet. So what's 30 feet in metres?
1: That was into traffic again,
2: wasn't it? Oh my God. Yeah, I think it was a, a, a bridge with a, a road going underneath. Nine metres. Yeah, nearly 10 metres. So that's pretty high. It's high enough. Yeah. In the fall, she broke both of her ankles and fractured her skull. Which made my legs feel really funny as I was writing that down. I was like, Ugh.
1: Well, yeah, because if she fell on her ankles, Ugh.
2: Crunch. Yeah. Mm, snap. So Sabina once again was rushed to hospital. And then this time it would be months before her and her twin would be released. Ursula was allowed to return to her family in Sweden, but Sabina was charged with the murder of Glenn. So... Sabina's trial was postponed for a long time, whilst the authorities tried to get her medical records from Sweden. Eventually, she's pled guilty to lesser charges rather than first-degree murder. Because of her mental state, obviously she needed to be assessed by many psychiatrists and have a good look at to see if there's no mental illness at play there with their strange behaviour. So...
0: I think we can confirm there was mental illnesses at play. I, I,
2: I think. So she was assessed by two different forensic psychiatrists. And when questioned, she only responded with no comment to all of the questioning and all of the police questioning as well. So during the criminal proceedings, it became evident that she had suffered from à Further... Experts determined her degree of delusional disorder as secondary, making Sister Ursula the primary patient.
1: Oh, I would have thought it was going to be the other way around.
2: Yeah, Yeah, especially the fact that it continued.
1: When she was on her own.
2: Yeah. The defence revealed the sisters suffered from a shared psychosis that meant Ursula's persona heavily influenced Sabina's. In addition to this rare psychiatric disorder... Sabina also had another mental disorder, acute polymorphic delusion.
1: What's that?
2: Which meant she could hear voices in her head but couldn't understand what they were saying.
0: So that must, that sounds like a nightmare. That almost sounds worse than understanding what they're saying because imagine just having someone basically rabbiting on in your head and not understanding. That
1: worries me because that's, that sounds like what I had as a kid, but it never came back. I always thought it was ghosts, but. Oh, Maybe God. I was just a crazy kid.
2: Stay out of the traffic, Emma. <laughs> On the 2nd of September, 2010, Judge Justice Saunders. Wow, what a name. He was born to be a judge. <laughs> gave his final verdict in which he acknowledged the Erickson's twins' mental condition. Sabina was sentenced to five years behind bars because her delusional beliefs cause her to act this way. She got sent to Bronzefield Women's Prison. After going to jail, no news ever surfaced about more erratic behaviour. After some time, multiple media outlets reported that she had found faith in prison and had returned to her Christian roots. I tried to find out what was going on with them at the minute, but when Sabina was sentenced, many people obviously weren't happy with her mild punishment. She only got five years. I mean, understandable. Yeah,
1: I bet Glenn's family were pissed.
2: Yeah, the brother, it was Gary, uh, it was Glenn's um brother, was questioning, kept questioning the legal system. on Like, why were they being so easy on a murderer? He couldn't understand it. Yeah. Many people showed outrage of the short duration of her sentence, whereas some understood that, in a way, she was a victim of a mental disorder. And then, so now it's been a decade since Sabina's trial has ended and some questions still haven't found any answers to this day. After their notorious incident, investigators tried to find anything in the sisters' past that would hint at them being mentally unfit, but nothing was ever found. Following the strange events, the Erickson sisters made no news again. Even their whereabouts to this day aren't exactly known. It's rumoured that Ursula lives somewhere in the USA and nobody knows where Sabina is now. Last we heard, she returned to Sweden. That's crazy.
1: But she was living with her husband and two kids in Ireland, wasn't she? So what happened to them? Did she just never go home?
2: I don't know. I don't know. Unless it's just kept out of the media on purpose because of their privacy.
1: Yeah. But I mean, why was she let go in the fucking first place? Because running into traffic and fighting police to run into traffic again is not normal behaviour. Yeah. If they'd have just the thing is, if they'd have just shown that footage to the psychologists or psychiatrists that were, you know, assessing her,
2: Glenn wouldn't have got murdered. That's all I got from the articles and stuff. No one really knows where she is at the minute. And I think she doesn't really want anyone knowing where she
0: is, like, media-wise. I mean, fair enough. She's fucking crazy.
1: That's so scary, though, because what if they get back together and it happens again?
0: Yeah, and what set
1: it off? I don't know. Because after what I gathered, Sabina was completely happy living as a mum of two kids and happily married in Ireland. Her sister comes to visit, and then all fucking hell breaks loose.
0: There must have been issues prior to that, though. Like, they must have been, like... past trauma.
1: Well, apparently, whilst uh, Ursula was staying, they were getting closer and closer and closer and, like, isolated. Like, Like I said at the beginning, like, isolating themselves, having little secret conversations and stuff, you know, just generally acting weird. Yeah. But... If they're both, like, free and out in the world, they're sisters. They're not going to just not ever see each other again, right?
0: Well, maybe they did conclude that that would be the best option.
1: Maybe. Maybe. Scary, though.
2: You never know. Maybe Ursula
0: blames herself
2: for what happened with Sabina if they're thinking that it's Ursula's mental state that affected Sabina. So, I don't know. You don't know how they feel about it. Well, thanks, Bex. Yes, thank you very much. But, yeah, scary shit. And I get many questions, no answers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely one of those, isn't it?
1: If you go on YouTube and look up the twins, you'll see the footage of Ursula um, getting hit by this lorry, and it's just like, it's
2: fucking well, mental. you don't think it? that anyone's going to survive that, do you?
1: No run
2: over by a
1: semi-articulated lorry no yeah
2: especially the fact that people can get run over at 30 miles an hour and die and then Mm. she's getting hit full speed on the motorway by a a lorry and then the other one's getting flown in the air and crashing back down on the tarmac and still running in traffic again
1: yeah i can't remember the name of the documentary there's a documentary out there madness in rush hour or something like that
2: Madness in rush hour. Sounds, sounds like it could be it.
1: The, the, the actual footage is there and the cops, they're just like, what the fuck is going on? I mean, they're just seeing these bodies getting flown into the air and getting run over by lorries. And they're absolutely fucking horrified. And then they're getting punched and spat at and just like
2: absolute insanity. Yeah. And they just want to film a bit of motorway cops. Yeah, I end up filming that. Mental.
1: So, do you guys want another story about Foliadeux?
2: No. Yes, please. No, no. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Shit. Yes, I do. I really do. <laughs> tell me more. Okay, and this is... uh.
0: Tell me more. Tell, tell me, me more. more.
1: I <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to talk about the Papin sisters. So, this is a French story and it happened in France.
0: Ooh la la. Nice.
1: And I've got the upper hand because I'm going to be able to pronounce the words. So if you've heard this story before, because it's a very famous story, you've probably heard the story before. Yeah. But they can't pronounce the words. I can.
2: Yeah. And we can even pronounce folia du. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. But then again. Like folia of Folia Do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then again, as soon as there's some sort of Spanish or any other... Uh, i'm just like well i think it's there
0: <laughs> yeah french is our forte yes, nothing, nothing else, else. Yeah, yeah. and the
2: occasional british town that we know
1: <laughs> yes quite or um getting countries right hey eh, becky oh yeah <laughs> so i don't know if you guys listened to last week's episode but uh, at one point becky decided that finland and norway were the same place i'm confused
2: <laughs> and f- as as i was telling the story the word finland slowly turned into norway and emma doubted herself thinking i maybe didn't hear it right at first and then you eventually questioned me and was like what yeah. are you doing <laughs> with her impeccable editing skills uh she um Managed to make me sound like I knew what I was talking about, but was just really concentrating on how to say Finland correctly. Finland. And not Norway. <laughs> so I kind of hope the information I was talking about was correct. I'll have to double check that.
1: No, it, it, it all sounded good. But if you were wondering why Becky sounds so weird saying Finland repeatedly in exactly the same way, that's why. Because I'm just covering up the fact that she was saying Norway. Yeah.
0: Emma did an impeccable job, yeah.
1: though. Oh, bless you! Stop it!
2: I only got the country wrong okay. <laughs> with one country, If it was all different countries that I kept getting it wrong. That would have been a lot worse.
1: Oh no! It was always Norway. Yeah. You just kept saying Norway, the
2: Finland's brother. So it's fine.
1: Right. So the Papin sisters. So I've only actually got two sources for this because Wikipedia was absolutely brilliant. And then I watched a YouTube video by someone called Obsolete Oddity. And there was a few little tidbits in there that wasn't on Wikipedia, but I do suspect they also got most of their information on Wikipedia because it was almost identical. But it completes the story. So I didn't really need to look any further. Lovely. Yeah. So... The Papin sisters, so we've got Emilia, Christine, and Leah. <laughs> shall I just keep going with the Frenchness? Yeah. Or shall I anglify it?
2: I think it's yeah. sexy. That's it sexy.
1: So, Emilia, Christine, and Leah were born in Le Mans, France.
2: Ooh, where all the races are. And
1: that's where all the races are. To parents Gustave, Papin, and Clémence Deret. Ah,
2: I do like the, the second name, Papin, is a really nice second name, isn't it?
1: It's a nice mouthfeel yeah. to Papin, Papin
2: isn't Papin, it? Papin, 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 Papin. Papin. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, Gustave married Clémence despite his parents' objections when she became pregnant with Emilia. He did the right thing. Yeah. But they didn't want their son to marry Clemence because it was rumoured that she was a bit of a floozy and having an affair with her boss. Ooh. Well, was she
0: though? When in France. Yeah. <laughs> they do love a good affair here, don't they?
1: I don't know, do they?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's well known, isn't it, that French people have a mistress. The amount of affairs that I've heard about in
2: not necessarily my circle of friends, but so many people have had affairs. It's ridiculous. Well, there you go. Not me, though. I don't have the time.
1: (sighs) (laughs) Quite. Raunchy bunch, apparently, then. Yeah. So, yeah, they didn't want him to marry Clemence, but he married her anyway in October 1901.
0: Oh, this is ages ago. Yes, this isn't a recent story. Okay. So we've
1: gone from quite recent to not recent at all. But, like, Fully ado is really rare, so... Yeah. There's not that many cases out there. So they got married in October 1901 and five months later, Emilia was born. Gustave still suspected Clemence of being unfaithful. So he found a new job in another city, but Clemence downright refused to leave Le Mans. And so they stayed and Gustave began to drink heavily. So the marriage went downhill. He's unhappy. She's cheating on him and he's boozing. Yeah.
0: That sounds like a cheery household. Indeed.
1: And yet, Christine was born on March 8th, 1905. But because her mum...
0: Interesting.
1: ...by all accounts was a terrible mother and completely lacked any type of maternal instinct, they gave Christine away to her paternal aunt and uncle. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, very soon after she was born. Now, nowadays, I don't know if we'd be a bit like maybe a bit of postnatal depression going on there. Probably, yes. Yeah. But she's just not... You'll find out later in the story, she isn't a great person. So it could just be that she couldn't be bothered with kids. Well, yeah. So she gave Christine away... Still in the family unit, but she's Mm. now been given away to auntie and uncle. And Christine lived there quite happily for seven years. So she had a great time away from Gustave and Clémence. And yet, Leah was born on September 15th, 1911, And again, she was given away to her maternal uncle. Oh, so not even the
0: same uncle?
1: No, not even the same uncle. And she stayed with him until he died. So she's had three kids. They've kept one. And the other two have been given away to both sides of the family.
2: God, they're not like, I don't know. What do you give away? It's like Secret Santa, but for children. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean it's like oh, I'll give one to you give one it's like giving me. kittens to your mates isn't it yeah like yeah. I don't know your, your cat yeah exactly like your cats come home with an unexpected pregnancy you have to spread them throughout the family
1: oh dear so yeah
2: Clemos Clemos Clemos
1: yeah
0: but as far as I can see
1: Leia and Christine were both happy being brought up by their uncle and their aunt and uncle so well they
0: didn't know any different did they
1: no but it's not. Well, they probably had the nicer upbringing than poor Emilia, who got stuck mm. with Gustav and Clemence.
0: Mm. Gustav,
1: though. Gustav. I bet he had a
2: mustache. <laughs> I, I expect him <laughs> to look a little bit like a fat Gaston. That's what yeah. I'm thinking of. <laughs> who had brains like Gustav Gustave? you won't want I to be singing about gustav in a minute in all of my mm-hmm. there we are we've had the singing there
1: we are finished okay so when poor amelia was 10 <laughs> gustav reportedly raped her
0: Oh no! Oh God! Did you just exactly. warn me before I started singing? Just before you said she did that? she did warn you, Becky. She did. She did? I did. She said you won't be singing that in a minute. All
2: oh, right. And oh, you carried
0: you. on. Oh,
2: I was. I was in the moment. Sorry, didn't hear. <laughs> I didn't hear anything else.
1: <laughs> so when Clemence found this out, she immediately filed for divorce. Which you would think, yay, go Clemence, yeah. She's got I that mean, mama bear instinct. Yeah. You raped our daughter. Fuck you. I've got
2: a feeling she's not going to do what, what I wanted to do.
1: That's not why she's doing this. So you'd think she's protecting her daughter from the abuser, but sadly... Please don't
0: tell me she left the daughter with him. No, no, no. Oh. No, no. Sorry, I panicked.
1: Gustav is out of the picture. Good. But... She wasn't protecting her daughter. She suspected and accused her 10-year-old daughter of seducing her father and blamed her for the rape. Is she all right?
2: Obviously not. She's one of those women that gets jealous of her own
0: daughters. She's a piece of shit. That's what she is. Absolute shit. Mm-hmm.
1: And she then proceeded to send her away to a Catholic orphanage called Le Bon Pasteur that was renowned for its discipline and harshness. Right. Now, I don't get this next bit, but hey, Clémence is fucked up in the head, so I don't suppose there's any logic to it. But as further revenge on her children, she also dragged poor Christine, who was quite happy living with her auntie and uncle, away from her loving home And sent her to Le Bon Pasteur.
0: That seems logical, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, she hadn't done fuck all. I mean, I'm not saying Amelia did it. Neither of them have done fuck all, but I know the reason for Amelia. Christine was just, I don't know, out of spite. So Christine and Amelia have now been sent away to be raised by the nuns. However, her plan backfires because the girls became very close. Even though they'd always been separated, they suddenly bonded and got this, you know, relationship going. Did
0: they know they were sisters?
1: Yeah, yeah, they knew they were sisters. And Emilia, who'd always just known an abusive, drunken, unhappy household, actually flourished in her new stable environment away from all the shit. And when she was old enough, she took her vows and became a nun herself.
0: Oh, bless her.
1: Christine also fully planned on joining her sister and taking her vows as soon as she was old enough. Now, this absolutely infuriated Clemence. Clemence is the mum, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Because she intended for all three girls, as soon as they were old enough, to get a job as living maids so that she could take their wages. Clemence is a bitch. Clemence is definitely a bitch. So she's lost Christine because it's too late. Christine's a nun. So she's already lost Christine.
0: Clemence is such a nice person name.
2: She's not a nice person. Oh, I don't know.
0: Oh. I went to Lycée with a Clemence. She wasn't
2: very nice. Oh, wait. Um, the only Clemence I know is absolutely lovely.
0: <laughs>
2: Clemence
1: now fears that Christine is going to soon become a nun as well. So she takes her out of the orphanage and put her straight to work in Le Mans as a maid. Mm. So at the orphanage, she had been trained in multiple domestic duties. So this job came quite naturally to her. She found a nice family to work for and was enjoying her job. However, her mother was not so pleased with the wages. So she made Christine seek employment elsewhere. And this happened over and over and over
2: Give it over, Clemence, you
1: wanker. Yeah. So she kept making Christine leave the nice families because they weren't paying her enough. And obviously she ended up working with some not so nice families that paid more. And it just happened over and over and over again. So Leia, so little Leia, the youngest, was also forced to work as a maid as soon as she was old enough. And despite being separated for so long, the sisters had a very strong bond straight away and they would see each other as much as possible in their free time. So in 1926, Christine was employed by the Lancelin family. So the family consisted of Monsieur Lancelin, his wife, Leonie, and their daughter, Geneviève.
0: I really like that name.
1: Geneviève. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty name. So they had another daughter who had moved, got married you know, was living away. So there were just the three Lancelins in the home. So after a couple of months, the family were really happy with Christine's work and agreed to also employ Leah. The two women never really went out except to church and to see a fortune teller who told the sisters that they had been husband and wife in a previous life. Mm. So Christine being the husband and Leah being the wife. This seems to have bonded the sisters even more and Christine began being even more protective and close to her sister, Leia. The Lancelot family began suspecting that the sisters were involved in a sexual incestuous relationship.
0: Oh, God, I didn't see that happening.
1: As they spent so much time in their attic room together, but this has never been proved and could just be a rumour. yeah. Nonetheless, the girls were extremely hardworking and didn't spend any time seeking husbands or going out dancing. So all in all, the Lancelins were really happy with the maids. Mm. One of Christine's old employers had given her a rather bad reference, stating that she could be quite moody and agitated and would object if given tasks that she thought were beneath her. So remember, she's been going through family and family and family, because her mother never thought she was getting paid well enough. She, you know, this this family could have been arseholes and gave her a shit reference, basically. Yeah. And the shopkeepers also thought that both girls were very strange in their demeanour. They seemed cold and distant. Despite these red flags, the Lancelins got on well with both of them. And they looked after them really well. They were well fed. They ate exactly like the family ate. They had a heated room And they were paid the standard going rate. So great in those days. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They've got it cracked. It sounds like an awesome job. Yeah. So Madame Lancelin learnt that the two sisters were giving all of their wages to their mother, and she made sure to put a stop to it. And she wrote to Clémence, telling her that from now on the girls would be keeping their wages for themselves. So that's Clémence fucked. That's a gravy train stopped.
2: What was she even doing, though, just sitting on her ass, like, waiting for all the money to come in? Uh,
0: Probably.
1: And shagging her boss.
0: (sighs) Oh, do you think she was still shagging her boss?
1: I don't know. She's not a very nice person. No, she's she's
0: a prick. Why do people that are so horrible just get everything they
2: want?
1: Well, they do for a certain amount
2: of time. Sometimes they get away with it forever. Oh, well, that's depressing. Carry on. (laughs) She's not getting
1: away with it because Madame Lancelin has said enough. Good. So the girls are now keeping their wages for themselves. So all continued perfectly for a few years. However, things were about to take a turn for the absolute worst. Madame Lancelin began being even more demanding of the girls and being very picky about the cleaning that they would do. She would use white gloves to check for dust and when the floor hadn't been swept to her liking, she pinched Léa so hard that it forced her to fall to her knees to pick up the dirt that she'd missed.
0: Oh my God.
1: So once this had happened, Leia confessed to Christine that the madame better not do anything like that again. She would be ready for her next time. On February 2nd, 1933, the family went out for the day. Leonie and Geneviève went shopping and Monsieur went to his offices as usual. However, during the day, Christine shorted all the fuses of the house while using a faulty iron. The iron had already been fixed once for the same reason, so when the ladies returned from their shopping day and found the house in utter darkness, Madame Lancelin became enraged and she was shouting at Christine. So Christine grabs a pewter jug and smashed it into Madame
0: Lancelin's head. Bloody Ooh. hell, that escalated quick, didn't it?
1: Yeah, she, like, Christine just snapped. She was not taking it. I mean, to be fair, wasn't Christine's fault that the iron was faulty, but. No. So she smashed this jug into Madame Lancelin's head. Geneviève arrives to help her mother, which causes Leia to dive in to help out her sister. Her sister's shouting, I'm going to massacre them. And she continues to shout orders at Leia, smash her head onto the ground, rip her eyes out.
2: Oh, my oh God. the eyes. I forgot about that part. Yeah. Yeah.
1: This horrendous abuse would be inflicted on Genevieve as well. So they're both getting the shit kicked out of them. Ooh.
2: Oh, sorry, there's a fly on my screen. that scared me. <laughs> Not a fly. <laughs> it, just, uh, it, it kind of appeared in a way that a fly doesn't normally appear. It, <laughs> <laughs> it kind of crawled down like a spider would crawl. It sort of like went, instead of...
1: Isn't that the um, the way Samira like crawls out of the TV at first when you're watching that ring video? The fly that you can see in the video suddenly appears on your TV screen.
0: Yeah, you're right. Are you
2: trying to give me nightmares? Because it's working. (laughs) I hate. I love that film, but it's oh, it scared me so.
0: Oh, it was one of the first horror films I watched.
2: That was one of the ones that kept me up at night for quite a long time. And so did The Grudge. And I haven't really had... The The Grudge Grudge I've rewatched since. And it's a little bit freaking. I'm a bit like, meh, why was I so scared of that? But The Ring still kind of freaks me out a little bit. Mm. Sorry. Sorry about the fly. It's gone away now.
1: That was a very inappropriate time for us to have a little pause because shit's getting serious down here. And some of us had
2: their eyes ripped out, so I think the shit is already sick.
1: Both of them. So Geneviève has also had her eyes ripped out. Now that both victims have suffered severe head trauma and were both blind, the Papin sisters went to collect more weapons to finish them off. They grabbed a hammer and a kitchen knife, and continued to beat and stab the Lancelins to death.
0: I mean, they've gone in, haven't they?
1: Oh, yeah. they are not fucking about. Oh,
0: can you imagine squirming around on the floor with no eyes?
1: No, I uh, don't like it.
2: don't like it.
1: The Papin sisters would stop to swap their weapons over.
0: Well, you know, sharing is caring. Sharing
1: is caring. They beat the women so severely that their heads were absolutely unrecognisable. Brain matter and tissue was splattered everywhere.
0: That's not the one, is it? It's not.
1: As were the ladies' teeth. The sisters also stabbed and ripped at the ladies' bottoms and thighs. They lifted their skirts over their heads and pulled down their underclothes, displaying the ladies' genitals. So like a degrading position. Oh, com- as completely degrading. And the interesting fact is like nowadays, if something this horrific happened, everybody would know you don't touch the crime scene you know you you just leave it be the first gendarmes that responded and discovered the bodies the first thing they did was to pull up their underclothes and pull their skirts down
0: yeah just to give them their dignity yeah yeah, yeah. back then
2: though didn't they get like the whole village in it was like the priest comes in and have a little walk around
1: i don't think so because i think i do think it was so horrendous that they didn't yeah. want anyone to really see So, yeah, so they've displayed the lady's uh, genitals. So they then used Genevieve's period blood and smeared it all over both victims.
0: How did they get that? Well, Becky, (laughs) she obviously was on her period and as they had lifted up their skirts and undergarments, I'm assuming they just dipped their fingers in. (laughs)
1: <laughs> they scooped and spread.
0: Because I can't imagine sanitary wear in those days was as it is now. Well, it was just
1: rags, wasn't it? Yeah. Nice. So experts who examined the bodies estimate that this attack would have lasted about
2: two hours. Oh my God.
1: Yeah. But I found that, like, horrifying.
2: That's horrifying, the fact that they would have had to have stopped... To take a breather, yeah,
1: yeah, because
2: apparently it's tiring to kill people and bash people around. So that either they were so a mental state that they didn't stop, or they would have had to have kept stopping and restarting again, or taking it in turns.
1: Well, I don't know. The serious amounts of adrenaline must have been pumping through them. Ugh. So once the Papin sisters had finished with their absolute massacre of the Lancelin women, they calmed themselves and went to clean themselves up. And then guess what they did? Betty buys.
0: Did they start eating them? No,
1: <laughs> no. They went to bed.
0: Oh, well, they must have been very tired.
1: Monsieur Lancelin arrives home and he's surprised to find the house all locked up. He assumed the ladies had already left for a dinner party that they had been invited to, so he made his way there. But the Lancelin ladies were not there either, so now he begins to get worried. So, with a friend, he returned to his house again. All was locked, and the only light coming out of the house was a candle in the servants' quarters. The two friends went to the gendarmerie, which is a police station, and asked for help. A gendarme gained entry to the house by climbing a garden wall. He was not prepared to be met with the absolute horror that lay inside the house. As he shone his torch around the property, he was met by the sight of an eyeball laying on the staircase leading to the crime scene.
0: Oh, that's gross.
1: He continued until he saw the massacre madame lancelin's eyeballs had been hung round her neck oh
0: my hung god with what
2: with the eyeball string <coughs> <laughs> that's a medical term
0: yeah I'm sorry that's oh this is making me really hot oh the eyeball
2: part did you ever see Hostel?
1: Yeah, huh. no. Oh. That's literally the only part of that film that I remember, and it oh, don't, traumatized me. Really sick right now. <laughs> it traumatized me for <sighs> life.
2: My oh, eyes, the are custard watering. that comes out when they cut the eyeball string.
0: Custard. Mm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's green, isn't it? It's like... Oh. oh, anyway,
2: I can't remember. I just wanted to set Tash off. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh.
1: So her eyeballs had been hung round her neck. He shouted down to Monsieur Lancelin and his friend to not come in the house. He assumed that the servants will have suffered a similar fate as the Lancelin ladies and tried to open the door to their room. However, it was locked. He called out for a locksmith to gain entry to the room and once inside, he found the girls naked in bed together, hugging each other. We've been waiting for you, said Christine.
0: Oh my God, that's creepy.
1: Near the bed was the hammer still covered in brain
2: matter, blood and hair. If the fact that they went and washed themselves, was that to hide the fact that they'd done it? Or was it just because they they didn't want blood all
1: over them? Wanted
0: to be clean?
2: yeah, Yeah,
1: they were absolutely covered in grossness. Yeah. So they immediately confessed to the killings, but said it was self-defence. They both tried to protect the other, <laughs> claiming sole
0: I responsibility. Mean, there's limits, though, isn't there, to self-defence? Yeah, I
2: gouged their eyes out and then felt bad, so I tied them around their neck so we could pop them back in.
1: And then covered them in period blood. Yeah, yeah.
2: and smashed their heads in.
1: For two hours. And one of the
2: eyeballs down the stairs.
1: Yeah, so... Uh, They both tried to protect the other, claiming sole responsibility for the murders. The sisters were placed in prison and separated from each other. Christine did not cope with this at all and after becoming extremely distressed over not being allowed to see her sister, the prison officials allowed her to see Leah. Christine threw herself at Leah. Sorry, I realise I'm going between English and French for Leah, Leah. So Christine threw herself at Leah and apparently began unbuttoning her blouse and crying, please say yes, which kind of reinforces the whole incestuous thing.
0: Oh, they were shagging. That's weird, mate. Uh, So in July 1933,
1: Christine had some kind of psychotic fit and tried to rip out her own eyes. This gained her a straitjacket. She told (laughs) gendarmes this is the kind of fit that she had on the night of the murders. The sister's lawyer pleaded not guilty for reason of insanity. Christian and Leia both showed signs of mental illness, like not making eye contact and staring off into the
2: distance as if in a daze. God, that's if that's all it means to be mentally ill, that I'm super mentally ill then. I always didn't yes, like didn't. daydream and then don't really look people in the eye. I don't try and rip out my eyes, though, or others' eyes. <laughs>
1: that's that's good bex let's let's keep it. I'm that not way, quite yeah? there yet
2: <laughs> One can dream oh God <laughs>
1: <laughs> so they both underwent three psychological evaluations and were deemed sane and fit to stand trial yeah. however. During the trial in September 1933, medical testimony noted a history of family mental illness as their uncle had committed suicide and their cousin was in an asylum. The psychological community struggled to find a correct diagnosis, finally agreeing on deux, or shared paranoid disorder. It was obvious that Christine was the dominant one and overshadowed her sister in intelligence. Leia was rather weak-minded. So again, you know, it's the one controlling the other. Yeah. Yeah. So after the trial, the jurors took only 40 minutes to find the sisters guilty. Leia thought to have been influenced by her older sister was given a 10-year sentence. Christine was sentenced to death by beheading.
2: Oh, they love a good beheading though, don't they, the French? Well, getting the guillotines out. they They love that. They were still doing it in the 70s. What, the guillotine? Yes. Seriously? What? That's the mad. The 70s. It was in the 70s, the last guillotine.
1: I wonder if they've still got them knocking about, because there's a few politicians that could... Uh... I
0: bet you could find them in the old brocons.
1: <laughs> oh, God, can you imagine owning a
0: guillotine? Uh, no, I can't imagine that, actually. No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was actually wondering if you couldn't, like, use it to chop your vegetables and stuff, but it seems overkill. It
0: seems uh... overkill. But that is a thing, isn't it? What's a what's a what's the potato slicer thing called?
2: A guillotine,
0: isn't it? Potato guillotine. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: the the last person, to, yeah, to be put to death by a guillotine in France was in nineteen seventy seven.
0: Bloody hell!
2: That's <laughs> nearly the eighties. That's
1: crazy. Because you kind of think of it as like the French Revolution, and then that's it. They packed them away, and we didn't use them again.
0: Oh, no, they, they loved getting that I out. also it's like Christmas. was going to say that was only about 30 years ago. But it's, it's not. Nice. It's not, my 50. sweetie.
2: <sighs> 50 years ago.
1: So, even though she'd been sentenced to death, it was later changed to life imprisonment. Christine did not deal with with being apart from Leah at all and wrote multiple letters pleading to be reunited with her sister, but her pleas went ignored and she got more and more depressed and continued to have psychotic episodes.
0: I think it was wise they weren't housed together.
1: Well, yes, absolutely. So she was transferred to a mental institution in Rennes. However...
2: (gasps) Rennes?
1: Yeah, Rennes. This was of no help. And she continued to starve herself and eventually died on May 18th, 1937. So Leah coped much better and was released in 1941 after eight years due to good behaviour. She changed her name and went to live with her mother in Nantes. hmm Oh, she, she went to live with her mum, Clémence. Yeah, she, she went to live with Clémence. In Nantes, where she got employment as a maid in a hotel. God, can you imagine? That feels risky. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And also, like, Clemence is going to steal all of her money again? Or does she not?
1: Oh, I imagine she absolutely did. But they were living together, so at least, I guess, you know, Leia was... Yeah. It was all going in the same pot, I suppose, if they were living together. Kind Mm. of. Yeah. So some believe Leia died in 1982. But a French film producer who was making a film about the girls claimed he had found Leia living in a hospice in 2000. After having had a stroke, uh, she was paralysed and she could not talk and she later died in 2001.
0: That feels very old.
1: It's not really. If she was born in uh, 1911, 2001, is that 90?
0: Yeah, true, 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 true.
1: It's still quite old. I mean, it's
0: old, but... It's not ridiculously old. No, 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 I'm just not very good at maths, okay?
1: I don't know if I am. I don't know if I did Listen, that right in my head. It feels right, it feels
0: right. All I'm going you with Go it. with your gut. Even if
1: it's 100, it's still feasible.
0: Yes, yes, yes.
1: Yeah. But people are dubious about this elderly woman because they're not sure that she did look like Leah Papa. But, again you're comparing somebody that was probably what, like 16, 17, I don't even know how old she was, when they committed these murders. Mm.
2: To an old, old lady. When were the murders done? 30? 30... No I will not say
1: 1933, but yes, it was. It was, it was 1933 and she was born 1911. So 22. 22? Yes. Is that
0: right? You definitely can't compare a early 20-year-old to a 100-year-old and be like, no, mate, don't look the same. Yeah, exactly. So the sisters are now buried
1: together in the cemetery La Bouteillerie in Nantes. The spooky thing is that Becky's case was about identical twins, right? And although the Papin sisters were born six years apart, I'll show you photos later and I'll post them on all our socials, but they looked identical. Oh, really? Yeah, like they looked like the same person. And I know of another case of folie à deux. And it was identical twins as well. So. Yeah.
2: I wonder if it's part of the... Of whatever happens when that mental disorder comes around, that the fact that this other person looks like them. Yeah, probably. And they think that their thoughts are their thoughts. I mean, I know it doesn't happen every time because you have the whole families that can go a bit crazy and then also, uh, I know it's not the same thing, but things like mass hysteria. yeah, Which is a whole other thing because hysteria actually means womb i think so that's that's why there was like oh she's a woman she's hysteric
1: oh is that you know? really why
2: yeah is that' what because i was like oh she's woman's problems that's basically what Fuck it
1: means me i never put two and so two together hysteric
2: is like a real s- sexist kind of yeah because yeah y- you word. talk about
1: hysterectomies don't you when you're getting your uterus yeah, and everything yeah, removed, yeah, yeah. that's
2: what. Yeah, it's taking your. Yeah, what's what it means womb in uh, I think Latin uh, or something or Greek something. So
1: hysteria know. is only something that can happen to women. Well, not no, obviously no, not. It's because you can get
2: mass hysteria. Like I don't know. If I told a room full of people that there's a deadly virus and the symptoms are you're going to be sick and then you're going to vomit blood and die chances are people are going to panic themselves into being sick and thinking that they're going to die. If it's done in a way that makes people panic and it makes more and more... As other people see more people getting sick, you can convince yourself that you're sick and you'll mimic the symptoms. Have you
1: guys ever heard of the dancing plague?
0: Yes. No.
1: It's Well, it's a case, I think, of mass hysteria. Well these people just all started randomly dancing and they couldn't stop and like more and more people just started dancing and they just couldn't stop i might do a case on it at some point but yeah it's very interesting
0: yeah it sounds it and I don't yeah. think
1: it's been the only one. I mean, there's one really famous one. Was it in France, Becky? I want to say it was in France,
2: but it might not have been. I- I'm not sure, actually. I think one of the weird things were in France.
1: But there have been a few dancing plays. This
2: podcast will kill you today, an episode on it. I'll have to... If you do do it, they've... that's a really good reference, is their, is their episode. Oh, and they try and figure out what it was.
1: yeah. Well, it was mass hysteria, wasn't it? Because
2: no one really knows. Yeah, well, they're not sure because people were dancing until they were falling down and dying. You know, that people were dancing themselves to exhaustion. So some people think maybe a mould or maybe some sort of disease. Oh, yes, there was a
1: theory. Well, I'm not going to cover this case now because we've just told the ending. But yes, there was a case of, was there some mould in the baker's bread or something? Wasn't there like a bad batch of flour? Yeah, but a lot of it is...
2: Yeah, they can't prove it because it was so long ago. And you don't know how much has been, you know, with rumours and stories being told over again and again, uh, whether how many people were actually dancing. Yeah, no, it's a really good one. It's it's an interesting case.
1: It is. It is very interesting. Anyway, so -hmm. there you go. There's both our stories about fully adult.
0: Well, thank you Mm -hmm. very much, ladies. I'm glad that I don't have a doppelganger sister or a twin.
1: Well, we all have doppelgangers.
0: No, we don't.
1: We definitely do. Oh, I can't remember how many were supposed to how many we're supposed to have. I mean, I've got one that went to see the bank manager, don't you remember? <laughs> <laughs> oh
2: yeah. <laughs> oh dear. I just love how awkward you've just been like, yay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, again, I'm pretty sure that story was on a previous episode, so
2: go back and listen and yeah. Was it a Chills and Be Kills? amazed. It must have been a Chills and I think it was a kills. smaller episode, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh my bank manager thought I was somebody that I wasn't, and I just went along with it.
0: Yeah. Because I'm awkward. But she must have been called Emma too. She
1: was.
2: Oh, that's really that, How weird. many Emmas are there, though, in France? And she was English.
0: I reckon she was a clone. Are you sure you didn't go to school with him?
1: I'm absolutely a bazillion percent positive because he told me the school and I'd never been to that school.
0: Wow. I
1: even... That's mad. I even, like, had a moment of doubt. I was like, have I been to that school? I was like, no, of course, you silly twat. You would remember. (laughs) Oh, dear. But yes, no, she was called Emma and she was English and apparently looked exactly like me. So that's fun.
2: If you're listening, Emma too.
0: <laughs> hey, hey.
1: On that note, any anything else anybody wants to add to this
0: episode? No, just that I've really enjoyed it and thank you.
1: Yeah, so, sorry, it wasn't paranormal, but I do think it was quite weird. Yeah, but it's not not on theme, is it?
0: I think... I think, yeah. It's spine chillery.
1: I'm going to allow myself not to always do ghosts because people will just get bored of just ghosts. So, yeah, necrophiliac story coming next.
0: (laughs) I'm excited for it. Oh, yeah. Whoopee. (laughs)
2: Tash can't wait. (laughs) Oh, my.
1: Tash, would you like to plug our socials?
0: Yes, you can find us on. Instagram Tinder and Twitter oh Tinder, Tinder. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you can find Tash on Tinder Tash on t- you can
0: find yeah. me on Tinder and I will plug my uh, the podcast to you so not not completely wrong um, you can find us on TikTok Instagram and Twitter at SCSK underscore podcast and yeah hit me up on Tinder <laughs>
1: <laughs> i can't believe you said that ah, fabulous Um uh, we're also on facebook just under spine chillers and serial killers and you can email us
2: yeah uh, you can email us on chillers.killers.pod at gmail.com so any paranormal stories hometown murder stories or just something that you think we'll find interesting please just uh write in and let us know what your story is
1: yeah Are any cases <laughs> you want us to talk about or that we might not have heard about we want to know
2: yeah cool We want to know
1: all right then you lovely ladies i shall see you next week
2: stay safe don't kill people and keep it weird
0: bye, bye.